0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Question the Rev. Hope you enjoyed the new theme tune, and I want to say a big thank you to Vaughan Jones, who is a composer who volunteered to set the sort of how would you call it the uh, informal theme tune that we came up with for this. Segment to music and he's made a professional uh, composition of it. And it's uh, it's a kind of it's a variation, I suppose, on the Question the Rev theme tune that uh, is informally sung by Tom uh, when he's on when he's on Question the Rev. So thanks very much to Vaughan Jones for uh, composing that. I think it's really super. And for all your composing needs, if you need anything set to um, some kind of string uh, um, composition, uh, then you can go to manorhousemusic.co.uk and check out Vaughan's work. Um, he is a patron of the show and uh, now has contributed uh, significantly to it. So thank you so so much, Vaughan, uh, for doing that. If anyone else would like to become a patron of Irreverent, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Irreverent, where you can support us for uh, beginning from £1.50 a month, uh, plus VAT in the UK. So you can do that if you like the show, if you get something out of it. Please do that today. I've got two questions for Question the Rev. Um, sorry that nobody else is here. It's just the way things are working out at the moment, so it's just me. So I do I do my best. I've got one sort of quite serious uh, question, and then another one which is um, just about recommendations. So we'll do the we'll do the more serious one first. Uh, it's from Jan, who says, "Have you ever doubted your faith? Have you ever doubted your faith?" So I became a Christian really when I was nineteen years old, and. I would say, in answer to this question, that I've not doubted my faith in the sense that I've ever believed or the thought that Christianity is untrue has overwhelmed me. So I've never sort of lapsed into some kind of um, atheism or agnosticism or anything like that. I've never, never sort of been tempted to believe that some other comprehensive religious view of reality is true. That's never really happened to me. And it does happen to some people. But what I have doubted a lot is my capacity as a human being to make sense of Christ. So I would say I've never really doubted Christ. I have had powerful encounters with the Lord Jesus throughout my life, particularly um, some when I when I first became a Christian. Which I which I could tell you about, and I, I'd be happy to do that. But but I've never doubted the reality of Christ. I've never doubted that He is He is the revelation of, of who God is, and He is He is God's message to us. Never doubted that. But I've doubted my capacity to make sense of that, to make sense of Him, and and whether I whether I am really doing what I can to live out um, faithfulness and a belief in Him consistently. And so just to put a little bit of flesh on the bones there, I've I've certainly doubted my, um, whether I'm making sense of things in terms of the church and that's, that's led me on a journey. And um, so, so there are, there are aspects of that. Sometimes I've doubted whether my sort of approach to theology and scripture are correct. Um, Yeah. So that's how that's, that's happened. That's happened to me. And I think, that's the way I would characterize it it's to say that I've not ever doubted belief in Christ, but I've 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 doubted whether I'm making sense of him or whether I have I've really heard properly or whether I am hearing properly and all of that kind of stuff. Now, a thought which might help people listening to this, I don't know, I hope so, uh, is this. Um, we have a very sort of rationalistic idea of belief in our culture where we think, well, belief, proper belief is about Um, arriving at a conclusion after after a chain of rational deliberations and that should be the same for christian belief as it's the same for anything else that's in my view not how people really arrive at belief certainly sort of comprehensive views of reality it's just it's just way way more complicated than that Uh, we don't work everything out rationally and then and then believe it like we're some kind of computer some kind of belief machine that's not the way it works um Actually, I think a, a more accurate way of saying it is that for whatever reason we have a sort of picture of reality, a comprehensive picture of reality. Whether it's atheist, whether it's Christian, or whether it's agnostic, or whether it's an, another religious system, we have a picture of reality, and then we sort of try that out. We sort of match it against our experience, and often, if often, you know, if we're a sort of person who's cognitive, more cognitive, or more sort of rationally or intellectually inclined, through 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 analysing it uh, from, a, from a rational perspective. And then if it makes sense, if it works, it's easier to hold on to that system. Um, but if it doesn't, it's easier not to hold on to it. And there may be aspects of it as well, which you um, which shift and alter as well. So, like, for example, with me, like I was just saying with stuff to do with the church, some of that stuff has shifted and altered while whilst the entire framework has stayed the same. And there's a quotation from C.S. Lewis, which I find particularly helpful. Good old C.S. Lewis. Uh, I barely go through a um, a public appearance or or one of these episodes without mentioning him in some way. Um, He said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, not because I see it, but because I see everything else by it. I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun, not because I see it, but because I see everything else by it. And what Lewis meant by that is that... We believe in the sun because we see the world in the light of the sun. The sun makes coherent sense of the world, or rather the existence of the sun um, is made sense of by the fact that we see everything else in its light. So we don't have to be staring at the sun all the time in order to to believe that it's there, because there's evidence of it all around. It makes a sort of coherent sense of our experience. And Christianity is, is the same as that. It's not that we're always looking at the... The precise rational reasons for it be, being true—it's that it makes it, it gives a kind of coherence to life and and major aspects of experience. Now, it doesn't it doesn't give you a kind of totalizing grasp on everything, such that everything makes perfect sense. And Scripture testifies to this. In, for example, the Book of Job, which holds open the mystery of suffering and doesn't give you a sort of rationally totalized answer which answers all your questions and and eliminates all doubt. It's not like that. But generally speaking. It makes sense. It makes coherent sense of major aspects of of human existence. Just to just to contrast this, I would say that Christianity makes sense of certain things in a way that, for example, atheism doesn't. So, I would say that Christianity makes sense of the fact that there is anything at all, um, because there is some kind of there is a being for whom existence is necessary, and that's where we get our contingent existence from. Um, it makes sense of the existence of um if i could put it this way everything that exists otherwise where did everything exist come from on an atheist view you kind of have to believe that everything just popped out of existence or that the new universe is necessary and i find those things to be um absurd they don't they don't make sense of the fact that there are things that exist where that exist whereas christianity does so that would be one example another example might be um the objective existence of morality which is a which is a facet it's a constant facet of our experience so morality is real it's just real in it, it it just is we experience it every day there are, there is such thing as good there are such things as good and bad things there is there are right and wrong actions that is that is reality now christianity has an explanation for that which is that there is a there is a um woven into the fabric of. God's creation, his moral law, which flows from his character. Again, upon an atheistic understanding of reality, the the objective existence of, of good and evil, wrong and right, doesn't make any sense. So that's what I'm saying. It's 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 not that we we start with, well, let's look at the objective, uh, sorry, the arguments for uh, the existence of God. All right. Well, that, that makes sense. Now look at the historical evidence of Christ. So oh, that makes sense. And then you work out this sort of chain of reasoning. Some people it is more like that, but generally what it's like is, is it's, it's a coherence to things. There's a coherence to things which Christianity gives you, which other ways of viewing the world um, simply doesn't. Now I want to end this question with a kind of pastoral take. Um, Mark chapter 9, verse 24, there's a father whose son is epileptic and he wants Christ to heal him. And um, they have this exchange and it ends with the father saying, um, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And I think that's really helpful because it indicates that we are all, to some extent, a mixture of faith and doubt. Nobody, Nobody believes without any doubt whatsoever. Nobody believes perfectly um we we struggle against doubt doubt's like a force in our life um for some reason god has made it that way that we have this sort of um this struggle within ourselves to believe even though we want to believe so that sort of indicates that belief is actually something which is to do with the will a lot of the time it's not just to do with with what's going on in your mind so i just i hope that sort of helps in a pastoral sense that if you do struggle with doubt or if you want to believe. Uh, and you and you find yourself doubting, or you find it difficult to believe, then that's okay. It's not necessarily immoral, let's say, or or unethical, or something like that, to have to have doubts. Um, but what God asks from us is that we would incline our wills to believe and to trust in Him. So, what would I say to somebody who has doubts in, or and and who's in the position of this father, let's say, who wants to believe but has doubts? And 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 you'd really like to believe. Um, well, what I would say is um, in the light of what I said about that Lewis quote, to try and live as though Christianity is true and see if it makes sense, see if it makes coherent sense to you. So so start to live as though you were a Christian, start to pray, start to read scripture. If there's a if there's a church you can go to, go to that. Or if there's a, a group of Christian friends you have, go and spend time with those those people try and live according to the teaching of scripture according to the the moral teaching of christ in the new testament and see what see what happens see if it makes um see if it makes sense of your experience see how that works for you and um if it is real as i believe it is i hope it is anyway um then it should make sense and it should start to sort of cohere in some sense between well the things that should cohere are what's your your desire to believe in christ let's say um your your beliefs or rather what's going on in your mind your sort of intellectual take on christianity and then your your experience that these things start to sort of gel together and it starts to make sense and it starts to sort of um cohere for you and starts to be in some way instantiated in some kind of real way in your life that makes sense i'm sorry if i'm using technical or uh Abstruse language there, but I, I hope I hope you get the point. It starts it starts to feel real. It starts to sort of take, if if you like, something something happens and it starts it starts to become some kind of existential reality rather than some kind of abstract belief system. So there's that. Now you might be somebody who's having real intellectual doubts, like right? you you genuinely think, well, I don't know if I really believe some you know some something like i don't know yeah you know, i don't believe in the resurrection i don't believe it happened it's it's not it's not real it's a historical falsity or you might think that for example there's an incoherence at the heart of the christian faith in terms of the doctrine of the trinity or whatever it might be there are, there are endless objections the the problem of evil is is um obviously a very very central one you know why would a good god allow evil and all that stuff now if you have intellectual doubts again that's that's a good thing in a way because you're using your brain and you're thinking about it so that's that's good and i'm pleased that you're doing that now what i found and i can honestly say this is that from the christian perspective there is nothing to fear in exploring those doubts and in looking for robust dialogue and answers um, for them christianity is not intellectually lightweight don't let anyone don't let anyone tell you that that is the case. It is just not. There are aspects of Christianity which are intellectually lightweight. Fine. There are aspects of any system which are intellectually lightweight. You can always find lightweight um, examples of a particular viewpoint. But look for the treasures in the Christian tradition that can speak to your doubts, speak to your the places where you find it unlikely. Engage with that if you really if you're really interested. Um, if you really want to find out the truth, uh, if you have doubts, engage with the intellectual weightiness and robustness of the Christian tradition. It'd be hard for me to sort of say specifically um, specifically uh, how to do that because it would depend on the issue. But if you really want to, uh, for example, in something like the problem of evil, read what Thomas Aquinas has to say in, in the Summa Theologiae on the problem of evil. Now, he's thought about it thought about it really deeply and he was he was a pretty intelligent guy who knew what he was talking about he knew what the objections were he knew what he knew how to answer those objections he knew what scripture said he knew what the philosophical tradition up to that point said and so on and so forth and and you may not be convinced by what he says but you'll feel that you've been engaged with if you just type in thomas aquinas problem of evil summer theologia in, in in google and you could be engaging with this great mind in a matter of moments. And there are many other, many other examples I could give, but, but intellectual doubts, there are, there are answers there. There are, things, um, there are things that the Christian tradition has said. I believe it's the most intellectually robust tradition that there is. So don't let anyone tell you it's some kind of joke uh, intellectually and that there aren't any answers to your questions because that's just absolute nonsense. And that's something I've had confirmed to me time and time again in my adult life, when I've when I've tried to engage um intellectually with the Christian tradition. It is uh serious stuff we're talking about. So that's my sort of peroration on faith and doubt. There's so much, obviously. There's so much, so, so much there. Um, but I hope that's in some way helpful and helps to kind of um move you along maybe or give you some ideas about what you might do. Another question I had was about um books on understanding christian history and this is since this is a question i can answer quite quickly um i just thought i'd do this so um i didn't actually write oh gareth gareth um wrote in to say um understanding christian history um some book recommendations uh so i got two and um, one is more robust one and then the other one potentially more helpful so if you want to if you want a scholarly uh one volume take and you've got some time on your hands and you've got um, an inquiring mind, I'd recommend uh the history of Christianity by uh Darme McCulloch. Um, History of Christianity by Darme McCulloch, who I think is retired now, but he was um he was at Oxford um certainly a few years ago when I was doing my um PhD. And he is um he is a great scholar. He's an agnostic really, um, but he's a great scholar of Christian history. He's probably he must be the the greatest sort of um living anglophone historian of christian history and that will take you right through from pre-christian to basically the modern day and it's you know the discrete chapters so if you're interested in little bits and pieces here and there he'll help you out with that and he's got a fairly kind of cynical take on the whole thing so uh, you know you might enjoy that so that's the one the other one which i think may be of more help is uh, david bentley hart the story of christianity david bentley hart Story of Christianity. Um, David Bentley Hart is an American Eastern Orthodox theologian. He's uh, pretty out there in many ways. I love his books, love reading him. Uh, but this book in particular is a really good primer. It's only about 200 pages long, or something like that. Uh, primer on Christian history, and it will really help you to understand. I think Gareth asked specifically about how we've come to how we've come to where we've come to it in terms of the denominations and things like that. In terms of the major questions about the split, splits between East and West. Um, and and the Reformation split between the Western Catholic Church and the Protestant church um that book I think is probably the best place to start by that book. There's actually an illustrated version as well, which I've never seen, but I imagine that's very good but um yeah, read that book uh, nice short chapters lays out the issues very, very clearly um you'll see where his biases are um because they are there, and they are and he makes no apology for that but i think that's a great book as a kind of overview and as i say the mcculloch if you're if you're more sort of academically minded person you want something really robust and really that's going to help you um give a give a a broad detailed overview then then that one as well but that one's about a thousand pages so those are my recommendations um and that's it for this question the rev i hope you've enjoyed it i've done the best i can but that question about faith and doubt that is a hard question to answer so um put the comments down there in the youtube video if you're watching on youtube or or you can email irreverentpod uh, if you want to respond in any way we also have a telegram group as well where i'll where i'll post this and you can put uh, a question or you can put comments um underneath the telegram video but i hope that's in some way helpful and i'm looking forward to being with you again soon and god bless